0: Welcome to Small Misters Talk, episode 161. Today, my guest is Matthew Turner from Turndog. And just off air, we were talking about how we both don't like the hustle. So today's topic is the anti-hustle. So tell us a bit more about yourself and let's have a chat about the anti-hustle, Matthew.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me, first of all. It's a real pleasure joining you. And yes, as you say, my name is Matthew. I'm a writer. So I write both myself. I released my most recent book, some I just passed here in the UK called Beyond the Pale which has been a work in progress for the last few years. It was my fifth book in total. And then I also write for clients as well. So I'm a ghostwriter. So for clients, I write their books, articles, guides, things of that nature. So my life is full of writing. It's good. Lots of tapping at the keyboard. And yes, one of the big topics in Beyond the Pale is this idea of the toxic hustle culture that exists today. Not just the sort of very... Obvious definition of those 70, 80 hour workies, just grind, 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 Gary Vee kind of way, but also just our constant connection to other people, to the internet, you know, how we're constantly on our phone scrolling and how it basically leads us to compare who we are to somebody else. So we'll see somebody else on social media and they might look better than we do. They might look healthier, fitter. They might have more money than us, might have more success. We're always kind of comparing who we are to who we wanna be, and we just see those little snippets, those edited lives, and it causes us to doubt ourselves. And what happens when we are in doubt, we tend to just go into default mode. And we've been taught that if you work hard, and if you study hard, and if you just burn a little bit more of that midnight oil, then the riches will come. So it leads us to just this vicious cycle. And yeah, it's toxic, to say the least. So it's something that I've been exploring in my own sort of journey in recent years. And I was very excited to basically create a, a fable similar to a book like The Alchemist, where it's a work of fiction. But there's real world people that actually appear in a book. I interviewed some people who have personally inspired me on my journey. It's a fictional tale set in the real world. And it follows Ferdinand as he comes to terms with his role in the hustle and starts to question what he actually wants from his life.
0: Fantastic. And I love that. One of my most favorite books is The Go-Giver. And once again, it's a a fable. And I've just recently been listening to The Alchemist, which I hadn't done before. And yeah, as an audio book. It is very, very good. So let's just unpack a couple of the things you said there, definitely about the lack of disconnect that we all have. And I mean that in the best possible way and not in the worst possible way that people would think is we just don't shut off. We don't let the thoughts in our mind actually percolate. We've got all these wonderful ideas that we never hear because we're always looking at somebody else and what they're doing. And I love the expression that says, don't judge your chapter one by somebody else's chapter 20.
1: It's so true, but that's what we do. That is like the definition of social media. I mean, it obviously wasn't it's, its intention. And there's a lot of great things about social media in the online world too, but there's a shadow to it all, the dark side. For me, it's very much this constant peek into another person's life and, and here's the thing you talk about chapter one and chapter 20 it's not even as simple as that you're seeing somebody's polished chapter 20 what they choose to share with the world and what you have access is to your messy chapter one that's not even in the light of day of an editor yet it's all grammatically terrible it's just messy it's partly on napkins because you have access to your mind like you know how hectic it is and we're all human. We're all these fragile little beings just walking around on the planet. So we get access to our own little demons, our own thoughts. And when we see someone online who seems to have it all figured out, all we see is that. And we're like, wow, they have it figured out. They seem happy. They seem successful. They seem to have none of the worries that I do. Deep down, like intellectually speaking, we know they share the same worries, anxieties at all. So because they're human. But we don't see it. So we just think, maybe if I do what they do, I'll have what they have. So we're seeing their chapter 20 and comparing it to ours, but we're also just seeing the edited version, what they choose to share. We're not actually peeking into the mess that is their mind. And I refuse to think, believe that anyone's mind isn't a complete another mess, because that's the nature of the mind. It's chaotic. It goes down random rabbit holes. It's self doubts. It questions itself. It's written in a voice. There's parts of you that want this and parts of you want that. It's part of the way. The mind works and even if you train it and you know meditate and really go deep into self-reflection there's still going to be that chatter i don't think anyone not even like monks who probably do this for 80 years fully free themselves of that and most of us who exist in this hectic fast-paced world we have no chance of doing such
0: Very, very true. And I like the analogy about the chapter one, chapter 20, but the way that you're describing it makes so much more sense. It's like your shoebox of all those napkins and torn up pieces and ideas that are coming compared to their actual published book of chapter 20. So that makes a lot of sense. And like you say, it's only what they're showing. They're not showing the the midnights where they wake up in the cold sweat because they've forgotten to send that email that was pivotable, or they have sent that email and now they're wondering what the person at the other end is going to think and all of those kind of worries that happen. They're also not seeing what work they've done to get there. And like you say, if you do what they do, you're going to get a completely different result because you haven't had their experiences. You've had their own experiences. It might be a better result. It might be a different result, but it's not going to be the same result that they had.
1: Yeah, and it's, we don't get access to their boring every day as well. We don't see the pictures of them just lounging around in front of Netflix <laughs> in their boxes, eating a bag of chips. Even though they have a seats pack and they look amazing, you know, we don't see those moments. So when we find ourselves doing that, just disconnected and we feel guilty, it's like, man, should I be allowing myself to watch this Netflix show? Should I be allowing myself to just sit here and read a book that I want to read? Instead of a book that's gonna teach me more about business or marketing or sales. So we don't even see them just existing, you know? And sometimes that's the best part of being alive is just those quiet, nonsensical moments where you just get to unwind. Whether that's after a really tough long day and you just want to unwind by disconnecting for half an hour, or whether that's just sharing a lazy morning in bed with your significant other way, you just chat and do nothing. It's just that constant guilt because we feel like we're not doing what that person did that person is showing me a version of life that i want they always seem to be professional they always seem to be turned on they seem to be immaculate we don't see them just existing so when we just find ourselves existing which let's face it is good chunks of the day because we're in our head twenty-four-seven. we feel guilty about it. We feel like we're not worthy of the kind of the success that we desire because we had the audacity to lounge around for a while, or we had the audacity to go for a quick walk for no reason other than to walk. It's yes, it's a minefield. And I think all this pushes us into this grind culture, this working harder than we need to, this reluctance to say no out of the fear of missing out. So yeah, it's all connected and it can be quite a dangerous rabbit hole.
0: Yes, it definitely can be. And we also think that just Throwing hours at it is going to make it better. As we all know, there's so many studies about how you get to eight hours, 10 hours, 15 hours, and your productivity is just non existent. So, for some people, working a good four hours a day is the best they're going to do. For other people, yeah, they might get 12 hours.
1: I mean, as a writer, I can usually only do probably four hours, five hours at a mat of like proper writing. After yep. that, you know, my brain's just fried. I can do all this stuff after that, reviewing work, a bit of editing, kind of stuff that comes with the writing. But in terms of sitting down at the keyboard and whether it's an article or a book or a chapter, whatever it might be, yeah, I've got like three to five hours of the good stuff. And if I push myself to try and write for 10, 12 hours, I mean, I could probably do it. But there'd be two things going on. One, after four or five hours, the work would be terrible. And it would affect tomorrow because I'd burnt out and tired. My fingers would hurt and my brain would be fried. So there's that knock-on effect. But I'd also just be exhausted. And and fried, and it. it'd be emotionally, mentally, and physically just exhausted. So, so yeah, you can push yourself hard, and it's to no avail, other than to just feed this combination of ego and fear. It's very dangerous,
0: exceptionally dangerous. And you probably would have more of a knock-on effect because you'd then have to go back and do that other work that do it again. Yeah, that <laughs> yeah. wasn't any good. Or you could potentially lose clients because you had given them something that wasn't your best. And unfortunately, a lot of people do do that. And then they wonder why their client that used to be a fabulous client and love them no longer does. And it's not always about the relationship changing. It's about the quality because they've just pushed too
1: hard. Yeah, part of it. It's hard. I don't know about you, but for me, January is always a pretty hectic time of year. Some cloud projects coming to an end, new ones beginning. you still finding me groove into the air after having a little time off. So I feel a bit burnt out and frazzled after a month of working sort of longer and harder and just not necessarily longer and harder, but just not enough gaps between the things, between the tasks the last month. And I'm feeling it, you know? So for me now, it's like, okay, that's just how some months are. But if I allow that to seep into February and March and April, I'm not going to be in a good position come the spring and summer months. So I need to make sure over the next couple of weeks that I recalibrate, make sure that January doesn't become February, and I get more on top and get back into my more normal routine where I have a bit of a breather, even if it's just five or 10 minutes between the tasks. Because when you start stacking up those days, it gets overwhelming. And when you allow that overwhelm, to develop further, that's when you get sucked into the hustle, and without even knowing it, it's six months down the line, and you go to trip to the doctor because you just feel terrible, and maybe it's a mental thing going on, maybe it's an emotional or physical thing, maybe it's a combination of those. But it catches up to you in time, not just like that. It creeps up. It's those days that stack upon one another, which when really it gets dangerous.
0: Yes, and it builds. And in Australia, being in the Southern Hemisphere, it is our summer. So Mm. December's always that panic got to get everything finished in between the Christmas rush and the parties and the social obligations, that sort of thing. and then basically Australia closes down for most of January. So it's a case of some people have come back off holidays, some haven't. it's a real juggle of am I in holiday mode? am I in work mode? are you in holiday mode? are you in work mode? So January for us is a really good time but an odd time as well because of whether people are back or not back or that sort of thing and it's hot. So we all want to be out at the beach, swimming and not working. I've
1: spent January in Australia before and I can attest it is hella hot.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I love the heat, so I don't mind. (laughs) I could not live where you live. No way. I'm not a winter girl. I don't like the cold. So yes, summer's my happy place.
1: That's a really important point as well, because I have someone who has always suffered more. Like I struggle in the winter months, you know, this whole seasonal, like I suffer with it. I struggle in the winter months. So at the best of times, I struggle with productivity. And again, that's the cards I've been dealt. That's me and my journey. So if I'm comparing myself who doesn't suffer with that, who's like, yeah, I like the cold, then I'm going to be putting myself at a disadvantage. Likewise, if I'm comparing myself to someone like you, who's now in summer, or I'm comparing myself to someone who's living in LA and it's lovely and sunny right now. And again, I'm putting myself at a disadvantage because I have to compare myself to like my situation, like my environment, my surroundings and all these things play a role in your life so all you can do is focus on what's in front of you but that is the last thing we tend to do in this social media driven world and it's not on a conscious level it's on a subconscious level and the next time you like consciously just find yourself scrolling through social media aimlessly pointlessly and you're like how did i even get here i don't even know what i'm doing right now it's just habit or it's just escape for a few minutes then subconsciously our brain is going to be making these little comparisons and that's the little thing that can keep you apart now. Or that's the little thing that causes that self-doubt the next day. So, yeah, it's very complicated. Yes, as we've said a few times, get to have a toxic rather quickly.
0: Yes. And I think that's an important point to make too, is that we all like particular seasons. We all like particular times of the day and evening. So some people work really, really well in the morning. Other people work really well at night. I do a lot of things with people in different time zones. So I'm quite happy to get up at six o'clock in the morning and be ready for Zoom, but you will not catch me on Zoom at seven or 8pm because that's not where I fit. So a lot of people say, oh, you're a unicorn because you can get up in the morning, but that's what suits me. So I work to that. So if you're trying to work to somebody else's timetable, so if you're trying to do the get up at five, am before everybody else does, and you're a night owl, then that's not going to work either. It doesn't matter how many hours you put in, your body's just going to say, no, what are you doing? You've been crazy. And so you need to really work to that, your body rhythm, what you like, what suits your family, your personal situation, as well as the seasons. And Like you say, some people do better in winter, others do better in summer, some do better in what we call autumn and the Americans call fall, and then others do it perfectly in spring. So you really do need to see what works for you
1: yeah I think you make a great point there, just getting to know your body. And it just reminds me I, I saw like this meme the other day. I'm going to paraphrase here, but it's like a conversation between God and human. And God was like, I'm going to split half of you. So some of you are really productive in the morning, and some of you are really productive in the evening, at night. So you can just make the full potential of the day. And then people are like, going, Okay, that's great. So we're going to make sure that everyone needs to get up in the morning and we're going to build society around waking up morning. And then if you have the audacity to not be a morning person, you're going to be persecuted. Then God's just it's like, uh, no, that's not what I said. And it's kind of true. It's like, we're all different. And some people are these fantastic morning wake up, like to get working and doing their best work, practically out of bed. But some people prefer to be doing their best work at like 11 o'clock at night. My cousin's one of them. He does his best work, a lot of his video editing at like midnight. And I just can't fathom it. But it works for him. But as a society, we do, as a general rule, those people are lazy. If you have the audacity to wake up at 11 o'clock and then work late, you're lazy, you're a layabout, you know, you're ridiculous. So again, these narratives that exist and these narratives exist All over the world, different cultures, different countries. And there's some global narratives there. And then again, they play on a subconscious level into that guilt, into that doubt, feeds into that fear. And it makes us feel like we have to be a particular kind of someone. But as you say, it's about getting to know your body, it's about getting to know your personality, it's about getting to know your rhythms and trying to find out what works for you. And once you can tailor your day around that, rather than trying to tailor you around the so-called perfect day, it's incredible what you can achieve. That's when you can start to do more with less. Like people talk about earning more in less time, being more productive in less time. That's when it happens. But too often we're trying to tailor who we are to the day, rather than tailoring the day to who we are.
0: Yes, or tailor it to the latest quick fix. If you work for 50 minutes and have 10 minutes off, you'll be absolutely productive. Well, no, that doesn't work for everybody. Sometimes shorter periods work for some people. Longer periods work for some people. You do 50 minutes and you're just getting into it and you want me to stop? No way. So it just depends on what kind of person you are and that's why one size does not
1: fit all. never does. We're not a baseball cap.
0: (laughs) I don't think even baseball caps fit everybody. (laughs) So do you have any suggestions apart from what we've spoken about, about really hooking into your own things that work to avoid the anti-hustle?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's not easy. It's one of those things where I always find the simplest are often the best. Really, the only way to escape a hustle is to start to better connect with what's going on inside you. It's having less in your life. And that's not to say you need to have a meditation retreat where you don't speak to someone for three days. It's just building little pockets in your everyday where you can just ah, actually train yourself to feel comfortable just sitting in a room of silence and not feel the need to pick up a phone or turn on the TV or read a book or even have a conversation with yourself, just sitting there and observing, listening to the sound ideally out in nature, kind of feeds it even more. So it's just trying to train yourself to just get those little pockets and allow yourself, give yourself permission to enjoy them. I think one of the best ways to do that, get used to that, is to schedule time in your diary and try to build little pockets into it. So it might be that in your morning routine, you just... Baking a little bit of time to have like a five minute journaling session or just a five minute meditation where you sit outside. If you're in a lovely country like Australia in the summer, where you can just enjoy the view and a cup of coffee. Maybe in the evening, just try and say, right, every evening I'm going to go for a quick 10, 15 minute walk on my own so I can just decompress. I'm not going to take the phone. It's just little things like that, just allowing your brain to switch off. Because one, when you give your brain that possibility, It starts to speak to you in a different way it starts to ask the questions you need to ask it gives you certain answers that you didn't even know you needed the answer to it just decompresses a little bit you know your creativity comes forward and yeah if you do that daily over a period of time you find yourself just feeling a lot less overwhelmed and it gives you then the ability to give yourself more of that time and that's when you can start being more at peace and just sitting in a room so it's hard It's hard. If I said to someone, no, like tomorrow and then every single day, just do it. So you have half an hour where you sit in a quiet room and do nothing and like meditate. Most people would find that hard. They'd find that really uncomfortable. They'd find it jarring. It would be like going from not 60 in half a second. So just start small, just little pockets here and there in a proactive way if you can baking it into your schedule as part of your morning routine or even routine or whatever routines you have and use things like meditation and journaling and walking or a bit of yoga stretching is always good as well as a way to just kind of release some of that tension and just kind of have it as a bit of a grounding exercise but you can also do it in a reactive way it's like wow i've just had a busy hour i've been working really hard for an hour my brain's tired So I'm just going to give myself permission right now to go and make a cup of coffee. And I'm just going to sit there and count to 10, doing big, deep breaths. And I'll just listen to the kettle going. Or maybe you go for a quick walk because you've got an errand to run, but you won't take your phone. You'll try your best not to think about work. You'll just observe what's around you as you walk to the shops, trees, whatever's surrounding you. If you just do that after a while, it just invites you to bring more of it into your life. And it's that which helps you escape a hustle. It's that that gives you greater perspective. And I find that when you get into that kind of state, you spot yourself and you, you catch yourself aimlessly scrolling through social media. You'll catch yourself having those toxic monologues inside where you're comparing yourself to someone else or you're putting yourself down for no reason. And that then, once you're conscious of it, you can say, is this real? Is this going to be helpful? Should I be doing this right now? Am I comparing my chapter, messy chapter one to the polished chapter 20? Once you're in a position where you start questioning that, it's easy to just put a little stop in the angle. Nope, not right now. And over time, that's when you start to escape the hustle. The hustle's always going to be there trying to drag you back in because this is the world we live in. Unless you disconnect from it and go and start your own little farm in the middle of a forest where you ha- you're not part of society, Like this is what you're a part of. You're part of the online world, part of social media. You're part of people everywhere. You're not going to escape it. You can block it with social media blockers and things like that. You can say, I'm not going to go on social media or email other than this hour a day. You can do that, but you're not going to escape it. The hustle's always going to be there just trying to drag you back in. So all you can do is get yourself in the best possible position where you question it, you're acknowledging it, you're aware of it. And that is all you need to then go, I'm not doing this right now.
0: What great advice and just giving yourself that space to be able to do that thought blocker or change and the way we speak to ourselves would never speak to anybody aloud. So Ugh, just right. realising that <laughs> can be just such a game changer. Yeah, if we had those monologues going where other people could hear it, we'd all absolutely
1: die. <laughs> It'd be terrible. Like if we spoke to others like we spoke to ourselves people would think we're like this narcissistic gaslighting SOB because we are horrible to ourselves at times. The time when we need a little bit of love and compassion, we're like, we're going to put Vanille in and just like, you you suck. Yeah. You know, we're not (laughs) kind to ourselves. And again, not always on a conscious level. It's not like you're consciously having these put down conversations with yourself. It's not that you're necessarily suffering depression or anxiety or anything like that. It's just on a subconscious level. The time when you just need a little bit of perspective, that inner voice is like, "Nope, you're not going to have any perspective." I'm not just a be Like you're not, you're not successful, and this is why. So work harder, or just want to be like that guy.
0: What do you mean you want to stop? No, you haven't done your 12 hours today. You need to do more. What do you mean you're not going to send that? What do you mean you're actually going to go for that walk? And that can often be all you need is just have that little perceptive change and that can make a huge difference. And also by making space to it, that will stop those two o'clock in the mornings where your brain's going, you haven't listened to me all day. You will listen to me now. I am going to wake you up because I need you to listen to me now. So that can help with that as well. Well, this has been fabulous as we're very short on time today. I really appreciate your time. I normally have five questions, which we don't have time for today, but I might just ask you the very top one, if that's okay.
1: Of course, please do.
0: What is the best advice that has been given to you by a mentor?
1: I remember once for my previous book called Success and Mistake, I interviewed a guy called Dan Miller and he basically Told me a story about how he kind of lost it all and the perspective that he had at the time and since today, nobody ended up in jail and nobody died. It's not that bad. And I've always remembered that because whether something happens to you personally, whether it's a global thing, whether it's within your control, outside your control, just having that perspective, it's like, how bad actually is this? Is anyone dead? Has someone I loved run to jail? okay we can get through this so that's always stuck with me because let's face it the world throws us some curveballs and all we can do is put those curveballs into perspective move on and carry on
0: absolutely and stop that little voice rehashing Mm. it and making that tiny little thing into so much bigger so love that as a final note so if people would like to know more about your book or get in touch with you or even get some ghostwriting matthew how do they find you
1: yeah, well, I hope you've enjoyed this conversation and I hope Beyond the Pale sounds enticing to you. If you'd like to learn more about it, go to beyondbook.co. That's beyondbook.co. You can download the first couple of chapters for free. So I always encourage people to have a read. If it's the sort of book you'd like to continue with, then the links to where to buy it. And there's also my links to Instagram and Facebook, etc. So if you have any questions for me that this conversation sparked, please reach out to me with a DM or an email, whatever. I'd love to have a conversation.
0: Fantastic. Thank you so very much for your time, Matthew. Always love having a good chat with an inspiring mind. So I wish you all the best with the rest of your day and take care.
1: Thank you very much and to yourself.
0: And SBT audience, enjoy your journey. Don't forget to subscribe to Small Business Talk podcast and head on over to smallbusinesstalk.com.au forward slash downloads. For all the show notes and links to this episode. Remember, to be great, you must start. Pick one tip from today's episode, take action and implement it. Let's meet again next week at the same time and place. Until then, take action and SBT community, enjoy your journey.